Here's a quote. He's going to get a rude awakening when he gets to the NFL running his mouth the way he does. Somebody's going to knock that kid off his high horse. He's got diarrhea of the mouth, unquote. Now, who said that? Bo Jackson. And who is Bo talking about? Deion Sanders. And how did Primetime respond? Quote, this Bo Jackson is one sorry dude who must be jealous another brother is sharing his spotlight. I'm tired of hearing Bo's name. The only thing he has on me is age, unquote. When the New York Yankees called Dion up to the show in 1989, Bo Jackson told reporters, quote, that's good. I'm happy for the kid, unquote. And Dion replied, quote, he's always saying the kid, the kid this, the kid that. At this stage of my career, I feel I'm so far ahead of where he was, unquote. Bo wasn't finished. Quote, I don't have anything against Sanders, but he's got to decide if he's going to get by on his mouth or his talent. The stuff he got away with in college just won't work in the pros. Well, on July 17th, we got to find out what works in the pros. Because Bo Jackson and the Royals were in the Bronx to play Dion and the Yankees. This is the moment. Bo versus Dion. Here's Bo Jackson in the top of the first inning. Hit well to center field. Deion Sanders going back to the wall, and it is gone. Bo Jackson homers. Here's Bo in the third. Bo with a two-run homer, his first time up here tonight, and hits this ball deep to right center field, way back. Forget it. Jackson with his second home run in two tries tonight. And here's Bo in the fifth. Some more hang time. Deep to right. The hat trick. We may be watching history tonight. Three at-bats, three home runs. Bo versus Dion. the bout was a rout. From main event to throw in the towel, Bo had won every round of the fight, ahead on all scorecards. Could Dion Sanders answer the bell in the sixth, stand toe-to-toe with Bo and fight back? Stottlemyre ready again with a 3-2 pitch. Drill to center field. Bo Jackson going over, leaps and can't get it. It goes all the way to the fence. Deion Sanders blazing around second. Tabler goes over to get the ball, plays it in there, waving him home. The throw to the plate gets on by. Sanders flies over, and now he is safe at home. There's a pile of bodies at the plate. Of course. Deion Sanders with an inside-the-park home run. But while Deion celebrated at home plate, Bo was slow to get up in center field. Now it looks like Bo Jackson's going to have to come out of the game. And this will cost him a chance at history. Neon Dion with the knockout. Welcome to First Battle. Welcome back to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Executive Desk Chair, Bo versus Dion, the game where Bo Jackson and Dion Sanders, the two best two-sport athletes I've ever seen, faced off against each other. It's a clearly a great sports moment, but is it plaque ready? Is it a Hall of Famer? We will decide that today, and here to help me make that decision 
is a fantastic sports writer and sports broadcaster, ESPN's June Lee. June, thanks very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me on, Neil. I appreciate you uh, you, you calling me up. I really appreciate you being here and doing this. Uh, you you probably shouldn't have. You should think about the decisions <laughs> you make in your career. Now, June, please excuse me for leading with this, but as an Asian American myself, I'm very proud to have you on the show. My father grew up in the Philippines. His house that he grew up in had corrugated metal for the walls. It went, and during the summer, he couldn't lean against them because it would burn his skin. He came to this, all his parents put all of their sort of money and resources on my dad and sent him to the United States to sort of become successful and help the rest of his family. He did that. Now I get to make podcasts in my basement. <laughs> gigantic Sha Shaquille O'Neal, big and tall desk chair. Um, what is your immigrant story, June Lee? I know you were born in South Korea. I knew you came here as a baby, but please tell me a little bit about your immigrant story. Yeah, I, I honestly kind of sometimes feel the same way uh, just because my my grandparents lived the, the, through the trauma of the Korean War, right. and now I'm sitting in an apartment in New York City making, making jokes and writing about sports <laughs> for know. some reason, which is it's, just like, it, it's like truly ridiculous when I try to put it in that perspective. Um, I, so I, you mentioned that I, I was born in Seoul, South Korea in 1995, moved to the United States when I was two months old. My dad was uh, studying to get his uh, PhD at Boston University in accounting. Right. He was working for uh, one of the big Korean companies at the time, Daewoo. Uh, and after the Asian financial crisis happened and Daewoo went bankrupt, we decided to stay in the United States. Uh, and so I grew up in the Boston area. And this was during the 2000s uh, and the 2010s when it was impossible to not become a Boston sports fan just because Tom Brady was the quarterback of the Patriots. The Red right. Sox were winning all these World Series. Like the Celtics were winning championships with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, the Bruins won a Stanley Cup with Chara and Patrice Bergeron. Like I think something that I've realized is that in, in Boston, more so than any other city, I think in America, and, and I, say, I say this as someone who lives in New York now, sports is the cultural currency in a way that I think is just very unique in the city. It's just something that is something that ties together mm -hmm. people in the city in a way that I think is incredibly unique. And as someone who was a first generation American and honestly just wanted to make friends at school, yep. sports and pop culture were kind of the way that That's I think right. it provided me a bridge for me to talk to people who came from a different cultural background than me. Um, there were so many things to talk about. And I think it was just kind of, it, it kind of touched on my personal love of storytelling. My mom is an artist. And so I've always had this kind of creative streak within me. Uh, and so I, I made a decision pretty early on when I realized I wasn't going to grow past five foot seven <laughs> and that I probably wasn't going to become a professional baseball player that, you know, working in sports was probably the next best thing. And then growing up in a city with, uh, you know, the newspaper like the Globe and the Herald and reading, you know, Bob Ryan and Bill Simmons and Jack McMullen and Dan Shaughnessy growing up, like it, it was just an, a career that really appealed to me. And so basically since I was eight, 16 years old, I've just pursued this career in sports head on and, uh, I started interning when I was 16 years old at the Boston Herald, uh, you know, working in the Red Sox clubhouse. And I'm 26 years old now. I, I, I've blinked. It's been 10 years and I don't really understand how everything has happened. Um, and so, I mean, I, that's just a kind of a, a quick sparks note, spark notes version of, of how I've ended up in, in the place that I am. It's amazing. Congratulations. Two things. One, all that Boston stuff I'm going to censor or remove from the show. <laughs> just to be, my, I want to be very my upfront with you. 
My girlfriend says that me being a Patriots fan is the thing that she tolerates about me, even though she loves me. It's so obnoxious. It's so obnoxious (laughs) that you're uh, like this. You're not just like a Boston sports guy. You're like a you're like a real actual Boston sports guy. And I hate that. And I will. I'm going to let it go this time. But I am setting up now for the future. If you come on the show and start talking about Boston teams, particularly the Celtics, I will just censor (laughs) people. It will be stricken from the record. It will not go through. Um, the second thing is I completely understand what you're saying about being first generation and bonding through sports. My dad was like a world-class jerk. He would have made like a great dictator of a small country. Like he always walked around with his hands like behind his back, like surveying and judging things like off in the distance. And sports was like just this very easy to understand very easy to digest very easy for us to talk about thing and all of my sports experiences and love of sports is completely and directly tied uh to exactly to my father i i, th- I mean i think it's pretty similar for me too because um you know i think one of the you know f- ways that i bonded with my dad growing up and you know we kind of had a i think a rough i've talked to you know i've talked about this and written about this before uh you know we kind of had a he was he was a little bit more emotionally distant because he was so busy trying to establish our family in this country and i think mm-hmm. by the time i've become an adult we're, we're now incredibly close he, i would consider him you know one of my best friends in the world um but you know it was it was the thing that really connected us when he didn't have a lot of time for me because he was hustling to make sure right. that our family had a footing in this country um and you know we would watch red sox games together and uh you know i remember watching byung-hyun kim uh, when he was uh with the boston red sox and you know, i remember sitting down with him i think it was on a saturday afternoon um and i remember with my dad just like we kind of bonded over kind of the story of the red sox at that time this was 2003 before the curse had been broken so kind of talking about all the history that had gone there we went to a red sox game and i, I kind of fell in love with just the the atmosphere the the camaraderie the community mm. that came with it um, and I, I, it was, it was definitely something that I, I can very much relate to you in that it was something that, um, really kept me and my dad close and gave us something to talk about yes. on, on a daily basis. And, you know, when we're not talking about life stuff now, like, you know, especially during the basketball season, like, you know, the, the progression of the Celtics, Jason Tatum and all that stuff is, 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 uh, is one of the top conversation topics we have, uh, during the winter. Uh, June, is it true you turned down appearing on Around the Horn today because you wanted to do first ballot instead? Uh, I will. I'll just say yes to that, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, 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 and the people pleaser in me just wants to say yes to that. Now let's table set before we dive into our moment. Let's table set. I need your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete. Oh man. Um, so I would say my favorite sport is baseball, but it's usually tied with basketball. Okay. Um, my favorite team growing up was the Red Sox, and my favorite athlete was David Ortiz. Uh, those are great answers. David Ortiz is the man. He's was a ton of fun to watch, and he also had the attitude that we here at First Ballot love to see. Let's dive into our moment. Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, baseball game, fantastic outcome. Let's dive into it, and we'll do so by going through our Hall of Fame credentials. The Hall of Fame credentials are the categories by which we judge every moment and decide whether it makes it into the Hall of Fame. The first category, people love stats. They love them. They can't get enough of them, particularly baseball people. My God, there's so many baseball stats. I haven't the foggiest idea what they are or what they judge. Our first credential, analytics. Let me pitch out a few stats to you and get your reaction. Bo is three for three in the game. Three home runs, seven RBIs. He only saw nine pitches that day, which is a lot of fun to think about. Dion was two for four, two runs, two RBIs. But he did have the one knockout, taking Bo Jackson out of the game. I think that matters here. 
it's uh i mean i i i wish that there was uh like the stat like the stat cast numbers back then because i would have wanted to see the launch angle of Dion's homer <laughs> compared to the launch angle of all three of Bo Jackson's homer because like Dion's homer is like a it's like it's like a line drive that just like scoots past the outfielder yes. and you know Bo always you know mashed baseballs um, and so that hypothetical is probably probably what my stat would have been had Statcast existed back then. It would have been great to see like. Uh, Bo Jackson's exit speed trying to run down that shot and then you know the leap the jump force like what his sort of inertia was in that moment he really lays out to try and catch that ball which is fantastic if you haven't seen the clip stop the show go to the Instagram at first ballot HOF watch the clips come back and listen all right here we go um a couple other stats to run through 464 feet there's a stat for you that's the tape measure shot on the second home run the first one was 400 feet the second one, 464, and he really muscled that second that second home run out. Took it the opposite way, and you could see, I feel like he's flexing as he's swinging through that pitch and really drives it a mile. Yeah, it's. I mean, the thing that I'm always astounded by with Bo is that there's just not a lot of baseball players that have his frame. Obviously, Bo yes. Jackson's a one-of-a-kind but you see more people similar to his frame on the football field. Right. And so to see what Bo Jackson did uh, on the baseball field, given his frame and just the athleticism that he brought, like, I mean, there's not, there's probably more guys now that can hit a baseball four and 64 feet in a game than there were back then. But sometimes I imagine like, especially just given the way that, you know, health, uh, health science, all that stuff has gone, what would have happened? Uh, how much stronger Bo would have been if he had come up today versus versus uh, you know 20, 30, 40 years ago? I love that ad because Bo Jackson really looks like he got poured into that uniform. I mean, he looks like a piece of <laughs> it marble. It looks like a schmedium. Yeah, yes, a schmedium. It really does. Like for it's like if he had if he had come up in the league when. People were wearing baggier pants, baggier jerseys. He had a little bit of, he's really, that thing is like tailor made for Bo Jackson. And he just looks like a brick and he crushes baseballs and you just, it's just disarming. It's like a little like, good God, what's that guy doing out there playing baseball? You're just not used to seeing someone that looks like that. Yeah, it's almost like you go into MVP Baseball or MLB The Show and you create, like, the most custom-jacked player ever because right. you're playing a video game yes. and, like, no one actually looks like that. Right. But then you see Bo Jackson on the field and it's like, and oh, he's, he's literally, like, That's right. the, 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 the move the lever all the way to 99 yes. on all the stats yes. and all the attributes and then make his muscles as big as possible. And, like, that's just Bo Jackson, the human being. Great point. Uh, the next category, the next credential is the eye test. What did you see in the clip, June? What did you see in this moment that adds to the moment's greatness and gives it a better chance of making the hall? Well, I, my favorite moment, as as much as I love watching Bo Jackson just hit taters out of Yankee Stadium. <laughs> taters. Uh, De Deion Sanders, like, slide or jumping over home plate and then having to crawl back. Yes. it's It's one of those things where it's like, how many guys, especially in baseball, but in sports in period, have the athleticism yes. to run around the bases as fast as he did yes. and then avoid the catcher in the way yes. that he did and yes. despite not hitting home plate the first time, have the athleticism to crawl back and get there and still be safe? Like, it, Dion is one of the few guys in the history of sports that could have pulled off that moment. It's a great point. It's it's a real scene that he creates at home plate, and it's a very deft sort of uh, – uh, 
it's a very deft avoidance of the tag. It's the, very creative. Yes. You can see you can see you can see his wheels moving as he's there on the floor. Like he's not just out in pure like athleticism mode going, I'm gonna make some fantastic play with just my athleticism. You can see him watching the play unfold stopping starting reaching over and sort of eventually touching home and scoring and he's clearly jacked at the end of it there's there's just like an, an almost artistic element to it and yes. that there's just like there's there's nuance this intuition where he's just he's just feeling out the situation and following his gut to do what only he can do uh and i think that's kind of the most remarkable part about athletes like dion and like bo where it's like their gut can tell them to do things yes. that none of us could right. do on a baseball field or a football field. Something else I want to add to it, maybe isn't the first thing that comes to mind, but I think it's important here. As Dion's make turning second, heading to third, he runs out of his helmet. Helmet pops off, which is fantastic and additive to this moment because <laughs> Dion is full on Jerry Curl at this time. <laughs> The I mean, hat comes off. It's like in football when, like, the guy scores the touchdown and is, you know, he gets really uh, uh, stuck and the helmet pops off. But then he can celebrate and have everyone look at him like he's a human being, and he can celebrate that touchdown with his helmet off. Same thing here, Dion. It's important that that wig comes off because then you can see his hair, and his hair's really, it's bouncing, it's moving. It's like you, peak Dion hair. It really is. He he stands up. He said he super hard fist pump after he scores and the hair you can see the hair move like it's bouncy there's volume it looks great it's it really colors the moment it looks like a like a suave shampoo ad or something yes like, i think the, the only thing that could have made it better is if there was like a giant fan around third base blowing in the wind <laughs> so that his hair was you know flowing even more like he's a you know like a horse galloping through a meadow or something <laughs> the next category the next credential is the ear test what did you hear in this moment that added to its greatness? Now, I, I I can say this. You can you probably cannot because you're in you're in the business, and I am not. I'm sitting in a gigantic Shaquille O'Neal desk chair. I can say whatever I want, and the truth is, I think the calls are a little lackluster from the announcers. <laughs> now, can you can you agree with that? Or as a sports broadcaster, do you have to go? No, you know what? I think they did a pretty good job with it. Uh, this is one of those moments where uh, I, I, I would like to probably plead the fifth because I try not to <laughs> criticize people who are in, you know, I know how hard these kinds of things can be, especially live sports is such a spontaneous thing. Look at this so guy I'll probably, dance. I, I, will, I will probably, yeah, I will probably plead the fifth here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's, it's Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders. Like that by itself gets me so jacked up and. Uh, I would hope that, that that kind of energy translates into any call that might happen with athletes of their stature in sports history. <laughs> very, very democratic. Uh, let me play a snippet of the call to you. There is one line that I'd like to highlight. It's a lot of fun to hear, and let me play it for you now. Hit well to center field. Deion Sanders going back to the wall, and it is gone. Bo Jackson homers to put the Royals ahead 2-0. Okay, so Jack, Bo has hit the ball out of the park. This is still live game. Bo is trotting around the bases. No one's saying a thing. This is the real live call. How can you not say anything? There isn't any place that Bo would rather hit one than over Deion Sanders' head. Now that's ah. good. 
That's good. That's, That's pretty a good, good little ad. It's that, cool. that is pretty good. I mean, it's also just surreal as like a big sports fan to see like Dion and Bo going head to head. Like, honestly, just seeing Dion in a baseball uniform in general is always a little bit disconcerting for me yes. because like he never had one team that he's like truly like associated with, right. like cause just because he bounced around enough. Um and so seeing seeing Dion in like a Yankees uniform is just like a hey that's that's Dion Sanders. I know, I know these two this marriage of these two, you know, immovable objects, the New York Yankees and Dion Primetime Sanders. It's just a fantastic marriage that a lot of people forget about. Uh, there isn't any place Bo would rather hit one than over Dion's head. They it's it's been acknowledged we at the top of the show we went through the story of the moment those two guys had a rival at this moment. It's clear those announcers knew that. So adding that little burner was a nice little wrinkle. Although in general, I would say the calls are a little, you know, it felt like this was a Tuesday game and they're just sort of loafing through a matinee. Whatever. It's fine. We'll move past it. All I'm saying is when you think about these moments and if you're taking it seriously and that's what we're doing here, June, this isn't some fucking jokey podcast we're doing. <laughs> we're, this is a this is a this is a Hall of Fame of of serious repute. And we need to decide whether these moments are going in. And all I'm saying is, is if the call isn't there, it's hurting Bo and Dion's chances of this making it to the Hall of Fame. We'll keep you, moving. You, you know what I think about with, with these kinds of moments, especially with two icons as big as Dion and Bo Jackson? Like, it's one of those things where if you go to, like, a, a secondhand sports store mm. in New York today or in Los Angeles and you had a shirt with Dion on the Yankees and Bo Jackson on the Kansas City right. World, what would the price of that t-shirt <laughs> yeah. be? Just from a nostalgia <laughs> perspective. <laughs> What? The price would be off the charts what? for a Dion Yankees, <laughs> Bo Jackson, Kansas City Royals shirt. Just from like a pure nostalgia standpoint. Like, this is just like one of those, like, like I, I this is something I experienced relatively recently when Space Jam, the new Space Jam yeah. came out. And like, new Space Jam nostalgia stuff was just all over the place in yes. all of these stores. Like, as part of why, like, I'm squatting on a bunch of, like, LeBron Space Jam <laughs> stuff for the next 30 years because in 30 years, the right. nostalgia on that right. thing is just going to really hit hard. And I feel like this clip falls directly into that kind of sports nostalgia bucket. Oh, I love it. What a great ad. Next credential, the test of time. This is comparing our moment against other moments like it in history. I'm going to throw some at you here. The Baseball Almanac says 640 players have hit three home runs in one game in baseball history. Now, even as I read that, I go, did I did I do that math properly? Did I read that right? I'm not even certain that's correct, but we're just going to go with it. It sounds absurd. 640 people have hit three home runs in a game? I don't believe that. You I'm the one that wrote it. You get some random-ass people on a year-to-year -year <laughs> basis, though, who have three homer games. like Brandon Lowe, the last person to do it from the Tampa Bay Rays? Are they the yeah, Devil Rays He's, he's really Rays? good, though. He's just underrated because he plays for Tampa Bay. Well, no one's ever heard of Brandon Lowe. I'll stand by that until I'm dead. It's also Brandon Lowe. Not, Lowe. To, oh, not to be a no Oh, God. All. I'm so sorry, Brandon. And to all the Lows out there, I, I feel um, bad. Um, and the first <laughs> person to do it is a guy by the name of Ned Williamson. On May 30th, 1884, like, what are we doing? Is that real? Like, I looked this up on a website, like Baseball Almanac. Is that real in 1884? Who wrote it? Did someone write it down and then someone kept that over time? I don't believe that stat. That's the best part about baseball stats, though, is, like, you can stick, like, a random year date on it, yeah. and the guy's, the player name could be, like, 
Smoky Pat Ahern. <laughs> and it could be plausible that right. they struck out 29 people right. in a 27 in a out baseball game. If you've got if you've got a specific date and a goofy name, people are like, well, how, how am I going to disprove that? Like, I just I hear that Ned Williamson, May 30th, 1884 for the Chicago White Stockings. I'm like, I guess that's the thing. I, I was so befuddled by this that I looked him up. Apparently, Ned Williamson is the guy that had the single season home run record before Babe Ruth. Wow. Yeah. I hope I hope Ned Ned Williamson's family is listening to this podcast <laughs> right now and is is feel so proud about Ned being Ned Williamson's great great grandson or granddaughter <laughs> and they feel just totally insulted by you. Now, I've gone through I don't appreciate you saying that. I've gone through <laughs> some of the sort of memorable inside the park home runs. Uh, uh Prince Fielder hit one. He's a big giant guy, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I thought it was a bit more interesting to look at great moments of three home run games. Uh, and there were two that really stick out. The first, May 25th, 1935, the final home game for Babe Ruth. He's released by the Yankees in 34, which is ice cold. I mean, the Yankees were like, get rid of this guy. <laughs> I'm so finished with Babe Ruth that they just let him go. Babe Ruth returns to Boston to play for the Braves. And on the 35th, he hits three home runs in one game that are his final three home runs in his career because five games after that, he retires, never plays another game. He also had never had – he did not, after that game, have another hit. So his last three hits were home runs, and the guy retires. Babe Ruth. And for the Boston Braves. I, for the Braves. You know what? A Boston Braves Babe Ruth jersey, probably one of the most underrated throwback jerseys of all time. I've never <laughs> seen one, but I would now like a Babe Ruth Boston Braves throwback jersey. I really appreciate your fashion sense and your sort of hype beastiness, really, really bleeding through the microphone and into this podcast. <laughs> The other three home run game we're talking about, Reggie Jackson. October 18, 1977, game six of the World Series, New York Yankees against the LA Dodgers. Reggie Jackson hit three home runs off three different pitchers on three consecutive pitches. Wild stat. That's why. And then the Yankees won the championship that game. The Yankees won, I think, 8-2, to two, and the Yankees won the World Series in that game. That's a moment. I actually have a Reggie Jackson, Mr. October story, if you'll indulge, I, indulge oh, my please, please, I would love to hear it. So, uh, you know, I live in New York. I go to Yankee Stadium for work, you know, pr pretty frequently. And uh, I remember this was, I think, 2019. I was on the field before a game and uh, Reggie Jackson was just on the field and, you know, he knew, he knew some of my writer buddies and, he, you know, they invited over Reggie to chat with us and uh, I had never met Reggie before. Ironically enough, we also have the same, the same birthday, May 18th, Look at that. Um, the same birthday as Brooks Robinson and also Tina Fey, Look at which that. is besides the point. Look at that. <laughs> So you know, so Reggie Jackson joins our little writer's little little huddle on in front of the Yankees dugout and I go, Hi, like my name is June and he goes, Hey, I'm October. Oh my feet. god. And it is it is a story <laughs> that I like I was like, Oh my god, did that just actually oh just happen? Oh my god. Did that actually happen? <laughs> June, that 
le- legitimately took my breath away. That is the coldest. Have you told that story before on, on a platform? Yeah, so I tweeted it out at the time. Oh, my and God. It, it circulated Twitter and it is now like a legendary story that people tell about Reggie Jackson among oh the Yankees beat writers. my um, God. And I think it, it ended up in like who's like they said this in Sports Illustrated, like the little quote pull right, out that they right, do right. on like a week to week basis. Um, and so it ended up there, and I was just like, "Oh my god, how how am I supposed to follow that?" Up? <laughs> oh my god, what a story! What a great ad! I so appreciate you telling that story here on the show. I think that I think that's probably got to be the greatest three home run game. Which, if I'm being honest, as I watched the Bo Jackson Deion Sanders highlights, as I dug into the story, I was like, "Oh man, this thing's gonna be a shoe, and this is definitely gonna be." And then I see the Reggie Jackson three home run game that wins a World Series off three consecutive pitches, three different pitchers, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" If that's the bar, where does this thing, where does this Bo Jackson Deion Sanders moment land? I'm not sure. We'll keep going. That's what the show is about. The next credential is the X Factor. Is there something? What's like the unknown thing? What's the what's the thing that's not in the stats? It's not in black and white. You can't watch the video. What is it that adds to this moment and and makes it greater and makes it memorable? Makes it something we should celebrate and induct into the hall. I'd like to pitch you something. Hit me. Prime time. Prime time. Deion Sanders, in and of itself, like the. Babe Ruth game, the Babe Ruth 300 home run game we just talked about, fantastic. Reggie Jackson, fantastic. Neither of those games had Dion Prime Time Sanders. De- there are some patron saints of this show, and Dion Sanders might be at the top of the list. His incredible, otherworldly, never seen before athletic ability, married to and intersecting with. This impossible showmanship, this impossible attitude, is just makes him special. Deion Sanders' involvement in this moment, t- watching a guy, a rival, a two-sport rival, crush three home runs in a game where you two are sort of going at each other, and you come out and hit a inside-the-park home run. That's fantastic. That's sto- that. What a story. I mean, it's basically like a caffeine shot of sports nostalgia, yes. just like wrapped up. In yes. Um, just the it's so of the moment, too, because like Bo Jackson just by himself is like that generational icon that, right. uh, you know, whose story of what if just fuels so much sports nostalgia. But then to combine that with Dion, who is so present and of the moment, like I think you mentioned the the, the curls that are just flowing in the wind, like. It's so of its time, mm. and it's it's like a time capsule. It really like, is. So much stuff from that moment. You know, I, I keep circling back to like the sports retro nostalgia store. Like anything with Bo or Dion on it, like that's going for Major ten times the listed price of what it sold for in the the nineteen nineties. After the game, Dion is asked about the play, and he says, "I can't wait to get home and watch that play on TV. It was exciting. It was mean." To me, the fact that he's talking about watching it on TV. That's too, what I'm talking about. He's like, like, that's what you want out of Dion. You it's want fantastic. Dion to. Because, like, some guys, like, they'll do great things, but they also, like, maybe don't care about the right. sport as much. Right. And they'll just go home and, like, live a normal life. Right. Like, Andrew Luck is a dude who has a flip phone. Like, I'm not sure that that dude, <laughs> when he was finishing up a Colts game, was going up and, like, turning on his DVR and right. watching his highlights. Like, 
but you want Deion Sanders That's right. to be sitting at home on his 1990s CRT TV <laughs> watching a VHS tape recording of him jumping over a catcher. Like, that's what you want out of that. And calling it mean. Like, he's just... So, he's just endlessly entertaining, including up until now. He's coaching this that 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 Jackson State. He's coaching the team, and he's entertaining doing that. The guy, he's just untouchable. He's just on another planet. I love Deion Sanders so much. Um, something else to discuss: Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, are like for for my age group, and I think for anyone really alive now. Like you know, there's like Jim Thorpe, like you know. And, Jackie Robinson, phenomenal athletes, people of color. I appreciate them, but I didn't see them. I don't know anything about them, but I remember exactly how the Bonos commercial goes. I know everything about Deion Sanders' draft day interview and the gold chains and the the jacket and and it just be in the sunglasses. I know everything about those guys. So those two meeting had only happened, to the best of my research, which again is not very good. It only happened <laughs> once before. When the Florida State Seminoles played Bo Jackson's Auburn Tigers in a college football game at Auburn, here is Deion Sanders, in his own words, on the Dan Patrick Show talking about the one moment where Deion and Bo met during that game. When I played for Florida State as a freshman, Bo was in Auburn. And you know, you know, you heard of Bo Jackson. So you were kind of in awe as a young collegiate. I'm 17 years old playing Florida State, 18 at the time, just turned 18. Bo got a sweep to his left, away from me, and hit it. I mean, hit it, and he was gone. I came out of nowhere because I was—I could fly. <laughs> came and got it, ran up on him like it was no other. With his right arm, he extended it, placed it on my helmet like as if he was praying for me, palming my helmet, and stiffed me down and kept going into the end zone like I wasn't even there. That was my Bo Jackson moment. I mean, is Deion Sanders the best? I mean, that's just, he he told that story so well too. He's he's yeah. the best. I I think you know listening to you talk about your relationship with Dion and Bo, I actually have a different relationship, and this is probably just a generational gap thing. As someone who was born in '95, like I you never saw I'm old. these. You just said I'm old. I did just in the Fuck. most polite way possible. Hopefully, um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I never saw Dion or Bo play. Like everything that I know about Dion and Bo is right. from watching ESPN Classic as a right. kid growing up or watching YouTube clips in the last like 10 years. Like in the same, like for me, Jim Thorpe is as distant as Bo Jackson. Oh my is. God. That is in, gutting in the abstract. You I know? understand. I understand everything you're saying. I'm just saying it's gutting. It, it's very difficult to hear that. I'm sad. I'm embarrassed, <laughs> but I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. The Dion and Bo, my conception of those guys are Nike had to make different shoes for them. They needed to make cross trainers for those guys because they don't just play football and they don't just play. Like they, they're doing both and other things. They need a new shoe. Like that's how big they were. Those guys are to me. That Nike was like, we need new shoes for these guys. We have to make a cross trainer, and that's what I bought and wore because, like you know, you want to be like those guys. You want to be like, I don't just play basketball. I also do this or that. And um, yeah, those two guys are just legends. Those, so those Bo really Jackson shoes are coming back too. The Air Trainer twos, like they're fantastic. Nike's starting to retro them again, like starting to put out some new colorways. Like I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years. Like those shoes really start to make a comeback. I think I think Saquon Barkley got yeah, uh, his own signature colorway of the of the Bo Jackson Perfect. kicks. Like they're they're awesome. Perfect. 
the the next time Dion and Bo would meet each other on a field of competition would be this game that we're talking about right now. And after this game, it never happened again. This is the last time these two guys ever faced each other. Bo ends up having a dislocated hip during the 91 NFL season, I think. They never ended up playing each other in an NFL game and never ended up playing each other on a baseball diamond ever again, including through Jackson's you know, White Sox games and, and Dion with the, with the Braves and whoever, the Reds I think he played for. These guys never – this is it. When you think about Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, and who's the better athlete, that conversation comes up all the time. The only face-to-face matchup we have is this game. And what happens in the one time they meet each other professionally? One guy hits three home runs and the next guy hits a inside the parker. I mean, what a great story. It is truly sports nostalgia porn, like all in one. The last thing, I, I just saw it. I just saw it in my notes. I'm so glad I did because the last thing to mention here in the X Factor is Deion Sanders injured Bo Jackson. He didn't make Bo slam into the outfield wall trying to chase down a home run, but he did chase down Dion's line drive. He completely laid out for it, completely horizontal. Watch the clip at first ballot HOF on Instagram. He doesn't catch it. He lands. He partially dislocates his shoulder. He's out three to four weeks of action. He knocks Bo Jackson out of the game. In baseball, is there a cooler or better way to physically impact another player? If you hit a guy with a baseball, either as a pitch, or you hit it off your bat and it hits a guy in the face or something, that's gruesome. That's horrible. No one likes that. But hitting a line drive and a guy laying out to catch it and getting injured, Deion Sanders, in essence, knocks Bo Jackson out of this game. It's it's almost a foreshadow of how like Bo would eventually get injured too. Agreed. It's, because it, it's Bo went all out. He, he always went, went all, all out. out. And uh, you know the way that Bo got injured, like he could he could have he could have stopped, it's but he he decides he decided to go for the for the extra bit and he injures his hip and like that's the reason why Bo Jackson is one of the greatest sports what ifs of all time and like I feel like. You know, that's one of those moments that encapsulates that. I completely agree. Is the, your joints, human joints can't take that sort of torque. It Bo Jackson is a moment. human being, which he I think is. even makes it makes his accomplishments even crazier, I think. Great ad. Um, and, and for the record, Bo Jackson, if he plays the rest of that game, he would have batted again in the seventh inning. He would have batted again in the ninth innings. Two more chances to hit his fourth home run. There were only 18 guys in the major league history who've hit four home runs in a game. Again, that's that. It might be true. I looked it up, but, I mean, who fucking knows? Lou Gehrig, Gil Hodges, Willie Mays, those are the guys that have four home runs in a game. Deion Sanders took that from Bo Jackson. He took it from him. I mean, you're watching this guy crush three home runs. It's all about Bo Jackson. And then Deion gets his shot inside the parker, flying around the bases, leaps up at home, uh, home plate, ends up, you know, being safe, fist pump, and Bo Jackson gets knocked out of the game. I mean, that is an answer to Bo's three home runs. I, I almost think that, like, the legend of Bo Jackson is just completely different if he hadn't gotten injured so young and early in his professional sports career. Because, yeah, I think our, our 
I think probably this podcast is a place and, you know, in the minds of so many other sports fans across this country, we love to imagine like how Bo Jackson's career could have gone. And that's almost better than actually knowing how it actually did. Next credential MVP. What's the most valuable part of this moment? That question is to you, June Lee. What is the most valuable part of this moment? Bo Jackson versus Deion Sanders. I love Deion's dive at home plate, especially because it's helmetless and you mm -hmm. see the curls just flying through the air. Yes. Like I think it encapsulates so much of Dion's electricity. There's there's on, a great there's a sports field. There's a great still of it too, which I think is you know those sort of lasting images that can stay with us uh, are fat are fantastic and additive. And there's a great still of it, um, which you can see on the Instagram as well. Burning questions. These are any last questions worth considering. I have one that's serious that I'd like you to answer, and then the other one's just for fun, just for me. The first burning question, why did Yankee manager Stump Merrill pitch to Bo Jackson again in the fifth? There were two outs in the fifth inning. They got in a double play just before Bo Jackson batted. So two outs. Nobody's on base. Bo Jackson has hit two home runs off of Andy Hawkins, the pitcher. Hawkins is still in the game pitching to Bo. Why not walk Bo in that moment just put him on first? To... <laughs> try to stack up to Bo? Like, I don't, there's not really a good answer to this question. Good thinking, Stump. The next burning question What, June Lee, what would you do to fix baseball? Now, I'm not saying baseball is bad, but as we're growing, as, you know, society moves on, as we're digital and social media and all this garbage, what does baseball need to do to be at the forefront of our consciousness? in our fandom again. I actually, you know, there's a lot of conversation around changing rules, pitch clock, you know, just finding ways to speed up games. And I think the thing that, uh, that is missing is the storytelling that is done around baseball, because I think for a long time, the, the folks over at major league baseball have, uh, had a very narrow idea of mm. who to market mm. nationally in regards to baseball. I think you saw this with Mike Trout and Bryce Harper mm -hmm. over the course of the last decade where you know, Trout doesn't really want to be famous. Right. Um, one of my friends, Jake uh, Mintz from the Cespedes Family Barbecue and Fox Sports, he often says that like Mike Trout's the perfect person to retain baseball fans because mm. he's so good at mm -hmm. everything, mm -hmm. but he's not the type of person slash player that brings in the casual right, fan right and you know those guys despite being generational type pl players uh mike trout i think is going to be one of the five greatest maybe three greatest baseball players ever when he eventually retires amazing you know it's it's truly remarkable what he does on a night-to-night -night basis but what baseball doesn't do well is it has a diverse group of players from an international background um and i think leaning into that diversity is something that baseball needs to do better in, in terms of just sharing a sport, because there's a lot of interesting stories within baseball that just aren't being told because the people who are in positions of power. Right. And, you know, I, and I, I put some of the blame of this, of, of this on myself as someone who covers baseball nationally as, as one of my jobs at ESPN, um, where, you know, the people in positions of power in, in the sport of baseball need to get better at telling those stories because, right. Um, and I, that's reflected in just the demographics of the people who work in Major League Baseball, the demographics of baseball media, the power brokers of the sports media industry. When you're invested in the story of what's happening on the field, a three and a half hour game becomes much more tolerable. Agreed.
because you understand the dynamics happening on the field. That's a great um, point. And so that's the thing that I think is missing that I'm, I'm hoping baseball can get better at, but I think is the big thing missing from it right now. It's a great answer. And, and the, this, the entire reason I asked this question was to get you to blame yourself for baseball. <laughs> and I appreciate that you did it. You are at fault, June Lee. It's your problem. You did it. We're coming down the home stretch now. The next credential is the cosine. June Lee, this question is for you. Should Bo versus Dion? make the first ballot hall of fame and why i say yes because i think that this is an underrated sports nostalgia moment like this is not when people think about that specific time period in sports history i think this moment is not one that people necessarily think about people think a lot about dion there's been documentaries made about dion people think a lot about bo there's obviously been a lot of things written and made about bo but this moment brings those two together and not just like a Bo went 0 for 4 and Dion went 1 for 3. Like they were both, you know, kind of peak right. of their powers. This is like seeing Superman go up versus Batman in terms yes. of like sports nostalgia at that time. And so um, I think in that way, it's uh, it, it is like a sneaky first ballot Hall of Famer. It's time for the induction speech. Now it's on me. I get to make the decision here. I could completely dismiss everything you just said, June. I could throw it in a garbage can. I could pay it no heed whatsoever. You're more than welcome to throw it in a garbage can. I might. You, I am, you, I'm, would, I'm, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> I'm sitting here really debating it. And as I think about this moment, what you just left me with is really true. This wasn't just Bo and Dion, these two guys meeting. It was them meeting and the one time professionally they ever did it. And they didn't just like loaf through the game. They both did their thing. They did the thing that they're both known for. Bo Jackson with these Herculean blasts, these muscles flaring, the, the quick firing of the, the twitch muscle, just firing opposite field, 460 foot home runs, dive, laying out, diving, going all out to try and catch a line drive from Dion. And Dion, just absolutely lacing a ball and just turning on the afterburners, the Jets, flying around the bases, losing the hat, jumping, leaping over the catcher, evading the catcher's tag, scoring the, the, the run, going crazy afterwards, talking about how mean it was. It was those two guys doing exactly what we know them for. And for that reason, I think this moment has to be a sneaky, as you said, a sneaky entry into the first ballot Hall of Fame. It's not going to be on the first wall as you enter the place. You open the double doors and then you're in the breezeway. Then you got to open the second doors to walk in and the music plays, the first ballot music plays. And then there's like, you know, the big shrine to Allen Iverson and Shaq. You got to go into the back corridor. You got to go down some steps, but it's there. Dion versus Bo, plaque-worthy first ballot Hall of Fame. Welcome, guys. It's it's like it's like seeing uh, Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd walk down the street, and then you tell them to say, "We are two two wild and crazy guys," right. and they not only say it, but they like <laughs> improv an entire sketch that was never seen on SNL before. I love that ad. That. What a fantastic late ad! You're exactly right. It's just these two. Guys, they nailed it. They nailed it. You asked them to do a thing, and then they nailed. They put on a show and nailed it. 
I'm really happy where we ended up. Jun Lee, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really, really appreciate it. You were a lot of fun. To have. Well, I'd love to have you on again. We can talk about other baseball things and other non-baseball things. I mean, we don't have to just be baseball guys, you and I. Thanks, Thanks for having me on, Neil. I appreciate it. Uh, oh, plugs, plugs. Where can people follow you? Tell people what they should watch and how they should follow you. Sure. Um, you can watch me on Around the Horn uh, some day of the week at 5 p.m. <laughs> on ESPN. Uh, also on ESPN social channels on, on Debatable or ba- uh, Baseball Live Tonight or Hoop Streams. Um, you can read my writing at ESPN.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at June Lee and follow me on Instagram at June. And you can follow me on TikTok at I am June Lee. Fantastic. June, thanks again so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me on, Neil. That's it. That's the show. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Major League Baseball. Check out MLB highlights on YouTube. Thanks again to June Lee. Credits. First ballot is edited by Rob 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 Produced by Jessica Sang. Music by Rhythm J. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. Written by me. Rate and review the show. Come back next week for more first ballots.